This is Chicago's College Tailgate. Tailgate. Shane Norman and Tyler Atkins. Shane and Tyler on ESPN Chicago. Welcome into the Chicago's College Tailgate Recap Podcast. Tyler Aki and Shay Norling. It's all brought to you by Twin Peaks. And Shay, we are coming off of the best semifinal by far in college football playoff history. And we kind of knew this would be the case heading in because we've been saying it all year long. The parity in the sport this year has been as high as it's ever been. It would not have shocked either of us if any of the four teams went out and won the national championship this year. That cannot be said in years past. Usually, you know, it's one or two teams that really have the inside track, that have the legitimate shot of winning. Never more than three that have a legit shot of winning, it feels like. But this iteration with Bama and Michigan, first of all, that matchup was impeccable. Um, you have it out in L.A., you get the Rose Bowl glow to it all, the pomp and circumstance. The sunset. The, uh, the way-too-long halftime show what? and the way-too-long uh, post-wrap-up, uh, too, that delays the start of the Sugar Bowl. What the actual fuck? Like, I'm sitting there and the game goes to halftime, and I'm like, all right, I'm going to go make some food. And I come back from making food, and they're in commercial break. And then it comes back to the Michigan marching band. And I'm like, okay, I got some more time. So I go back. I'm taking care of a couple things. Come back in commercial break. Comes back from commercial break, and it's the Bama fucking marching band. I'm like... We can't get, can we do a two for one deal? Like, this respect I, the television audience I, here. At halftime, I went, I, I usually take a shower at halftime of like the NFL games of like the noon window. I'll shower. Um, and so I was like, okay, I'll take a, a shower at, at halftime of this. And when I come back, I usually miss like maybe even a drive after yeah. coming back because the NFL halftime is like, it's 12 done, minutes. Yeah, it's yeah you come back, and there's 12 and a half minutes With left this, in the third. I came back from the shower. See, the marching bands are still on the field, so I'm like, oh, shit, I got time to do some more things. I go make a little bit of food. I take out the trash. Like, I'm knocking out all of my responsibilities during that halftime show. But anyway, getting into the actual football of it all here. The Wolverines are moving on to the final with the 27-20 victory in this one. Blake Corum, I thought, played. The numbers aren't gaudy. Like you'll see with some running backs in the college game, but some of the pivotal plays that he made, including scoring the ultimately the winning touchdown in overtime. I mean, the jump cut that he had there yeah. to just find the daylight was impeccable. I mean, you look at everything that Corm has been for this team, and he's been highly criticized this year, as has Donovan Edwards. Donovan Edwards was dog shit in this game, like he has been all season long. What happened <laughs> but- to him? He, he went from averaging over seven yards per carry, and not on a limited sample size last year, 7.1 yards per carry to three and a half this year. Four months ago, when the season was starting, I told you that Donovan Edwards was the better of the two running backs. <laughs> and now I'm like, eh, maybe both of them are not that great. Yeah. Like Donovan Edwards all season looked terrible. Mm-hmm. I thought a lot of it was attributed to the offensive line, but maybe not. Like Maybe he just is not good. Yeah, Maybe the whole thing about retweeting anti-Semitic stuff, maybe the karma bit him in the ass a little bit. <laughs> maybe don't do that. Yeah, that, that, we'll start there. Um, but this game played out exactly how both you and I thought it would. It'd be a lower-scoring game. I know technically it goes over, but you need overtime to get to that over. Yeah. Um, it was a lower-scoring game. You had a shutout third quarter as well, and then it just came down to what can you do in the final possession. Michigan goes out and executes. J.J. McCarthy puts together a nice drive there at the end. The It's weird with him. They didn't ask him to throw the ball pretty much all game, 
but he was asked to make a couple of big throws, and he, made he did it, and, and you got to credit him for that. Well, and they also, like, they did exactly kind of what we talked about that they would have to. It was Roman Wilson out of the slot, moving across the field, positions where Bama just cannot cover. They haven't been able to cover that all season, mm-hmm. and he's found him deep. And he, like, listen, you got to catch a few breaks if you want to win a national championship. You yeah. get a pass basically batted, fingertip at the line, that somehow pops yes. up and continues to spiral right. directly into Roman Wilson's route. Probably is a pick if it's not tipped. Right. Like, So you got to catch a few breaks, and Michigan caught a few breaks. And they played the kind of game that they were going to need to. I thought in the third quarter, they, they had like 12 yards of offense. It was negative two yards rushing in the third quarter for Michigan. And that's where I kind of thought, okay, the Bama defense – Again, doing what we thought it would, starting to impose its will, especially at the line of scrimmage. And the Bama offense kind of just doing just enough. Mm-hmm. But honestly, I thought Alabama shit the bed. Like, just straight up, you have a, what was it, 17-13 lead. Mm-hmm. Feels like you've taken control of the game back. You're running the football down their fucking throat. Yep. I mean, that third quarter and the start of the fourth – they were getting like six yards of carry. And it even felt like. even then, I could have felt like, why aren't you running these guys a little more, especially Milrow? Because Milrow found a little bit of something running the yep. football in the second half, and you know he was sacked five times in the first half, only had one in the second half in overtime there, and that right there kind of tells you, all right, the halftime adjustment worked. This team couldn't hit anything down the field, and you, that seemed pretty apparent after the first quarter that this team wasn't going to really hit many deep shots given the talent of the defensive backs on Michigan and also the fact that your wide receiver threats really aren't all that either. Well, and you look at the way, like, the way that they were defending Burton with Will Mm -hmm. Johnson was we know that they want to take deep shots. He's just going to run flies. And Will Johnson starting 10 yards off of Burton. And there were a few times where I'm going, why don't you just have Burton go out and then cut the route short. The double move, I, I don't know if you remember this. I, I don't even know what quarter it was. But Burton on the outside against Will Johnson runs straight up and hits a double move, but he hits his move while Will Johnson's got like five yards yes, of lead remember, on him. Okay, yeah, I remember and I'm like, this, You're not yeah. going to fake anybody out. Just stop your route. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you can't do that in the middle of a play because then Milrow sails it and it gets yeah. picked. But that's an adjustment. I think the offensive coordinator, Tommy Reese, dude, they're playing 10 yards off of you. Yeah. Just stop the routes. Let's right. run hitches, curls, whatever. They're, they're giving you a free seven yards. It's pitch and catch seven yards every play if you wanted it. And your your receivers, like Isaiah Bond and, and, Tremaine, or, and Jermaine Burton, they're not the greatest. Like, they're not first-round picks like the last crop of guys that you've had in years past. But they're good enough to execute that. And, and Jalen Milrow is good enough to execute that sort of stuff there. And he can make a few throws. He had the yeah. sideline throw to Isaiah Bond moving across yes, the field. That was, nice. that was maybe the best throw of the game from either quarterback. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was incredible. And I don't know. I thought Tommy Reese called it just awful game. Well, that's the thing is he, he figured it out in the second half, it felt like. And they were running the ball more. But even still, they probably could have done a little bit more down the stretch. But I, I thought... You know, because the whole conversation out of it was, oh, Jim Harbaugh outcoached the shit out of Nick Saban in this game. And it's just like, well, like if you look at the second half, the adjustments really were made by Alabama. So I, I have a hard time getting to that end of the, the spectrum there, that far down it. But at the same time, like 
I don't know what, like, uh, Bama just threw up on themselves in the final two minutes in overtime. That's what it was. Well, that, and I will say, like, the Harbaugh outcoached Saban thing, that I will never be able to answer. A, I don't know. I feel like it would be disrespectful for me to comment on it either way. I'm not going to say that Harbaugh outcoached the shit out of Saban. What I will say is... Sharon Moore, Michigan's offensive coordinator, ran fucking circles around Bama. And I thought Jesse Minter, Michigan's defensive coordinator, ran fucking circles around uh, uh, Tommy Reese. I mean, that was the game Tommy Reese called was absolutely pathetic. You knew in the first quarter that game plan was not going to work. And I will tell you, the drive of the game to me was with a 17 13 lead. And I believe off of a turnover, Alabama has... No, not off of a turnover. It was the fumble that led to the missed field goal for Michigan. Well, I I am of the belief, too, missed field goals are the same as turnovers. They might as well be, because Mm -hmm. Michigan gets gifted an unimaginably short field. Incredible position, down four, to retake the lead. They have to settle for a field goal, which in and of itself is a failure. And then they miss the field goal on what was the worst special teams day in like a decade I mean, that, for Michigan. I was looking to the uh, S&P Plus has Michigan special teams ranked fourth in the entire country. That was awful. That is one of they did everything in their power. It wasn't even like just the obviously where there are the kaboom plays like the the missed extra point, the uh, fumble on the uh, the muffed punt, all that stuff. But like even their punts were terrible. Yeah, everything was horrible. The standard stuff. It was like short punts. All right, Bama's got a forty-five or fifty-five yard field to work with here. But it was that drive. So Michigan misses the field goal, and Alabama with a lead is cooking on the ground like jace mcclellan seven yards a pop milrose finding first downs on first down carries whether it's scramble or otherwise quarterback draws he's getting alleys angles everything i remember herbie talking about the difference in the second half has been alabama running the football blocking angles dominating everything and then you get an unfortunate 12 men in the formation penalty. And it moves you to first and 15. And I'm sitting there going, okay, well, you're getting like seven yards of pop right now running the football. You've got four plays to get 15 yards. Let's go. The three straight fucking dropbacks. Three straight dropbacks. It was a completed pass into the flat for nothing. Another completed pass into the flat for nothing. And then an incompletion. And you have to settle for a Will Reichert field goal. Makes it 20 to 13. Michigan's back in the game. Like that... When you're running the football as effectively as they are, and then you go three straight dropbacks, and don't anybody try to tell me Jalen Milrose audibling out of runs. Get the fuck out of here. Jalen Milrow pre-snap can't find his way out of a bag. Like, he's doing nothing. Well, that's just nothing. A, a general thing, too. Like, a lot of college quarterbacks don't have the liberty to exactly. audible out of stuff. Like, college quarterbacks, you get a signal from the sideline. Mm-hmm. Everything is coming from the offensive coordinator. The fact that they went drop three straight times, I thought was insane. And it breathed life into Michigan, and it gave J.J. McCarthy an opportunity to have a drive that really is going to define his legacy as a quarterback, the throw to Roman Wilson and then the touchdown to tie the game. That's J.J.'s legacy at Michigan right there. And it's because Tommy Reese decided we don't need to keep running the football because of a fucking five-yard procedural penalty. Yeah. 
that, that scares you out of yeah. doing something that's working. Yeah. Before we get into the overtime, too, I want to ask you: Were you take take? I know we were both on Alabama in this game. Take that part out of it. All right. Were you rooting for the uh, the muffed punt safety at the end of the game? Yes. <laughs> when that happened, like, and that just goes. Michigan did everything that they could have possibly asked to hand this game to Bama. And it was just like stupid stuff like that. All game on special teams. I don't know how that happens. I thought it was going to be a touchdown, to be honest. Like at first, yeah, the like, muff punt rolls back onto mm-hmm. like the one-yard line. I'm like, this, yep. this They're is gonna a touchdown. They're going to hit them. It's going to roll a little bit, and then they'll pounce on it. Yeah. The fact that it wasn't a safety is maybe the best play their special teams made the entire game. <laughs> A muff punt. Like, yeah. just stopping it on the one? Right. That's the best play your special teams made all Hopping game. Hopping back on it. it. It was unbelievable. All right, getting into the overtime period here. Now, we, we saw the, like, Michigan was, uh, Corum just made an, a great play on that touchdown. But yeah. the other side, I, I think, is where the conversation is because a lot of things being made about the play that was called on fourth down and goal for Jalen Milrow and... It, it looked like it was a, a run-pass option, like he maybe had a chance, but the se- their center was making him do s- gymnastics all game long, and, and that's it's a couple of those things. It's like that's why this isn't the Alabama team that we thought. This is what we thought about them early on in the season, why they maybe weren't good is because fundamentally they were just messing Dumb shit up that you don't see Alabama mess up. Their tackles were terrible all game. I mean, their tackles, We I thought Michigan's tackles were going to be arguably the biggest weakness in this game, and I think that will come into play in the national championship. But just here, I thought Michigan's tackles was the worst unit on the field. Alabama made them look like fucking Hall of Famers. I mean, Bama's tackles could not pass protect to save their lives. And then you've got the center just snapping the ball wherever the hell he feels like. Mm-hmm. The low snaps, the worm burners, the yeah. snaps off to the right. You've got Milrow having to one-hand save snaps. And How about just, Herbie, by the way, on one of them? Ground ball that... Even Andrelton Simmons couldn't have scooped up, probably. And he's like, it wasn't a bad snap. It's just like, dude, that thing rolled past him. Like, I, it does make life hard. Like, as much as I want to sit here and rip Tommy Reese, it does make life hard when your tackles are dog shit, your center can't snap, your quarterback can't process. Like, I get it. That makes things difficult. But put him under fucking center, maybe. Like, all game, this guy's got to take five-yard shotgun snaps that are not close to accurate. Put him under center. Run the football. Like, I don't get why we're going... Do you really think it was an RPO and the low snap just set it off? I feel like that was straight QB draw. Maybe even power. Like, I heard somebody saying he was supposed to come up, cut left, and they got the pull that they wanted. Like, they had a guard pull. I don't think that's an RPO. I... I heard Jeff Saturday talking about it, and he said he believes there was the option to pass out of it. I'll I'll take his word for it. I, okay. I would imagine he he knows a lot better than both you and I would in a situation like that. But he was explaining it too, like the second he has to go, like it's one thing if he has to jump up for it, because at least his eyes stay up, right? Yeah. But it, the second you go down, you lose all sight of receivers. the The option is gone at that point. The second you have to go down. And the only option is to die. The only option is to run um, if you're having to scoop it out or or go low for a snap like that. I don't think the play was terrible because we've seen the play was working for Alabama 
maybe not in goal line situations. We hadn't really seen it in goal line situations, but I want the ball in Jalen Milrow's hand at that point. Like, look at everyone on that roster and tell me who you want taking the football there from, what were they, two, three yards out? Yeah. Um, I want it in Jalen Milrow's hands at that point. They got what they wanted. The right guard pulled, sealed the left edge. Mm -hmm. Like, if that snaps on target, Milrow just takes off left like a QB power, and he probably gets in the end zone. But the snap was off target, and that's where I'm just like, I feel like putting him in shotgun added another layer to what needed to happen on that play. Like, if he's just under center and you roll him out, you could naked boot. It's two yards. Yeah, but down by the end zone, I think that's a little bit tougher to do. I I think... Obviously, in that play, I don't think you can put Milrow under center because I think you're taking out a lot of what he does well. A lot of it is vision. If you're cutting the field in half for him like that, like I think you're, you're doing him a disservice at that point. I think at that point, you, you ask your center to make an elementary play, right? Like, we, we, why are we hand-holding for the center? Here? Yeah. Like, that's where the issue was in the game. I'll also just say, like, tip of the cap to Michigan. Yeah, they did it, man. They that drive down twenty to thirteen in a game where McCarthy has not been throwing the football well or much. To have that drive ready to go, to have those plays dialed up, Sharon Moore did an excellent job. I think Harbaugh, whatever. Like I don't know what Harbaugh's actual impact is. I feel like the coordinators were fantastic for Michigan. Yeah. And McCarthy in the fourth quarter, credit for credit's due. Like, I thought he was terrible for three quarters and then as good as you can be at quarterback for about seven minutes. And we've seen that a couple times out of him this year. And it's weird because, like, they take the ball out of his hands for 45 to 50 minutes of the game. And then they say, all right, kid, you got two minutes here. Go make some magic happen. And he does more times than not. Yeah, it's it's impressive. It is, like... And that's why I'm really excited for the championship matchup here because the situational football that both of these teams have played this year are the by far the best. In, and that's why they're both 14-0 heading into the game. But the situational football that both of these teams have played this year is the best in the country bar none. Yeah, I agree. And I th- like we'll get to it. Washington did it again against Texas. Yeah. Like they just... And maybe, honestly, not their fault with the Dylan Johnson thing. Like, it was some of the worst late-game execution Washington's had this yeah. season. But they survived and they advanced. Yeah. And they've just found ways to continue to do that. Um, the Michigan side, people keep asking me, so I'm just going to address it here so that it's on mm-hmm. fucking tape for people. <laughs> oh, Shay, are you angry that Michigan won? No, dude. Anger has <laughs> never been an emotion that I've felt about anything that has happened with Michigan this season. Like, not once have I been angry. I've said, I've been fairly consistent about it. If you're a Michigan fan, nothing that happens this offseason, and things will happen. Like, yeah. the hammer is coming. Mm-hmm. But nothing that happens this offseason can erase anything that you've experienced this season. They can't wipe your memory. Like. Right. Just enjoy. They can't take it. your T-shirt if they win it all. Like they can't do. They're not going to take the rose out of JJ McCarthy's mouth. Like they might not let you put twenty twenty three up on the on the press box next to nineteen ninety seven. They might not. But who gives a fuck? Yeah. Who cares? Like you enjoy it. On my side, nobody has to like or respect that it got done. So like that's just. Understand yeah. that's going to be the way that it is. No, I'm not angry. And a lot of people too are, have been saying and tweeting us and saying like, "Oh, this is this season tainted for Michigan if they win the championship?" No, I don't think it is at this point. You've won legitimately this game, 
the Big Ten Championship, the Ohio State game, the Penn State game, and the Maryland game, and, and the game against your stupid team, too. Like, Well, who doesn't? <laughs> but, like, they have won. We were a fucking free space. The, the 50-point wins that you have earlier in the season weren't decided because of a little sign stealing here and there. You would have right? won by like, 28 instead of by 55. Right. Like, like they, No result this season would have been changed. And both you and I hit Michigan hard and basically said the rest of the way, show us. And guess what? They've shown us at this point. So everything they've done this season to this point is legitimate. And going out here and, and taking down Bama and getting to the national t- title game, you tip your hat. They they are in the spot where they deserve to be. I think just if you're a Michigan fan, enjoy it. And I am of the opinion they are going to vacate this title if you win it. Yeah. Like that, it feels they like a foregone the, conclusion. Yeah. It's the dumbest thing in sports, but whatever. They will vacate it. Mm-hmm. Your mission in life is to not care. Yeah. You will know you want it. You will have watched the game. You will have seen the trophy get lifted and all the, like the confetti will fall from the rafters in Houston. Like enjoy the moment. It will get vacated. And you will hear shit from other people about it. Mm-hmm. But it's your moment. Like, this is not like it. the Astros, where there is legitimate beef there. Like, this is way different than that. It's a little like that. but It's, it's a little, but like, the Astros, there may have been outcomes that were changed because of that. I don't think a single outcome was changed because yeah. of what happened this year. The way I put it to a friend who asked me, again, are you angry about Michigan? The way I put it is... The 2021 and 2022 Big Ten championships, I don't ever have to respect. I don't even have to honor that they occurred because, frankly, like the Ohio State games, those are definitely in question. Yes. This year, you did it. Congrats. Mm -hmm. 1,000%. Real quick before we get into the other game here, there was the news that came down after we were off the air about Jim Harbaugh hiring Don Yee as his agent. He gone. Yeah. I just wanted to, especially with everything that's going to go down now, he's going to be gone. I think at this point, J.J. McCarthy, he'll be gone, probably to the NFL at this point. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't see a world where Jim Harbaugh's back. How about year. everybody talking about Jim Harbaugh can pass the program on to Sharon Moore? And I'm like, boy, that's it's like buying a Maserati and flooring it into a brick wall and then giving it to your buddy. Yeah. <laughs> Here you go. Free Maserati, buddy. It's like, do we realize everything that's about to happen this offseason? Mm-hmm. You might as well have bought like a, a Charger Hellcat, lifted the engine out of it, mm-hmm. dropped in an inline uh, four and just like, here, have fun. <laughs> it's my Hellcat. You can only go 80 on the highway. Enjoy it. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's just... It's yeah, very it, funny to me that like he's gonna, doing Sharon Moore a favor. This is going to be a program in a very bad spot with a supremely difficult schedule, which, by the way, we after Michigan had won, we were guaranteed a national championship rematch for next season. Yes. So not only do you get Washington on your schedule, but you also get Texas on your schedule next year as well. Um, but, yeah, th- this is going to be a program that, A, they're probably not going to be eligible for a bowl, thus not being eligible for a playoff next year. Um, scholarship reductions, which I think are the biggest thing. And Do you think they'll really reduce scholarships? Oh, yeah. I really wonder what it's going to look like, man. I don't even know. A level one and two level four, or and four level twos? I like, think postseason eligibility for sure gone. I think the title that they might win will be vacated. And then I wonder, like, how much do they buy back from Harbaugh leaving? 
I don't think you can do that, especially if some of the people, like if Sharon Moore is the one that takes over True. the program, or if Jesse Minter is the one that takes over the program. Like at that point, you kind of have but to live with it. Like, it doesn't. They were feel, a part of it too. The NCAA doesn't have a bloodlust for Sharon Moore or Jesse Minter. They have the bloodlust for Jim Harbaugh. That's why I wonder, like, do you buy some of the goodwill back? There's no way they'll legitimize the championship. But do you hate the partners in crime, too? And I don't think so. They were the one so. that en- enabled it. By the way, did you see Connor Stallions was at the game? Yes. What a what douche. What fuck, man? Like, of all the... It just... How is somebody at the school or close to Jim Harbaugh or close to whoever and then also close to Connor Stallions not going, dude, take a day off? Yeah. Do us a favor, take a fucking day. And you know what? We'll get you bleed seats and energy when we're in Houston. Like, d- get the fuck out of Pasadena. Yeah. Nobody would have noticed. What was it? Chase uh, Winovich? Yes. Was the one on that his Instagram story. Put that out there. It's like, nobody would have known he was there. Nobody recognizes this guy. No one would be able to pick him out of a lineup because everything about him has been... Well, and he'd be dressed like Bobby Valentine anyway. <laughs> everything about him has been like... So conspicuous, and, and nobody knows anything about what he looks like because he's been in disguise his entire life. Like, <laughs> think about it. He's like, he's a fucking spy. He's a professional spy. So his whole life has been spent in disguise. Dude, it's just, it's crazy to me that he went. Like, And again, I'm not going to get mad. He wasn't there on a like, camcorder, yeah. like zooming in on anything. It doesn't matter. Hilarious. It's a live game. He's there yeah. as a fan. Like, who gives a shit? But it's just, again, the optics of it. Like, Chase Winovich, former All-American linebacker at the University of Michigan, maybe not All-American, certainly All-Conference, standing in the stands with Connor Stallions, and it's like, can everybody involved just, like, realize what happened and get a fucking grip? Yeah. Whatever. I'm not actually (laughs) angry about it. It's just like, of course. It's just like, what are you doing? Um, All right, let's get to the other game here. Uh, I want to ask you first, which was the better game for you? Which did you enjoy more? Michigan Bama. Did you really? Yeah, Texas Washington wasn't real. Like what I know mean it, was, it wasn't real. I know it was fourteen fourteen at halftime, but Texas twenty one twenty one at halftime. Oh, was it? Yeah. I don't know why I was thinking four. Maybe because of the McConaughey thing keeps going around, and I just have seen the fourteen fourteen score bug under <laughs> McConaughey's head. Yeah, yeah. So it was a good game. And then the second half happened, and Texas took a loaded 12-gauge, aimed it at their foot repeatedly, and kept pulling the fucking trigger. Like, the two fumbles, nuts. Nuts. Yeah. What, is, what are How the, does the one also get signaled down? I was down? just like, going to say, what is that official looking at? <laughs> the ball is floating in the air next to Blue's helmet. His knees aren't even bent yet. <laughs> He's like running full speed, and the ball is floating in the air next to him. And then I got to watch the guy signal down. I'm like, what fucking planet are you on? Are you in the same stadium? Are you yeah. in New Orleans? It was That was wild. But it just felt like once the second half started, I felt like Texas was never in it. And Michigan-Bama had drama the whole way. Like 10 minutes left in the fourth quarter of this game. It felt over, and it took miracles for Texas to even have a chance. The ending was cool. If Texas had won, this would have been the more entertaining game to me. Not just because I picked Texas. I had them laying four. I wouldn't have covered the spread anyway. Yeah. But because the drama would have paid off in something really electric, it would have been more entertaining to me. But because 
it was like much ado and then don't change the Well, I think the fact that all. they even had a chance and they had like a good couple of chances. They had four plays from how far out were they at that point? 15, 17 12 yards. yards. Was it 12? Yeah. Like they had four plays from that distance to to try and get into the end zone and win because they would have won had they had they uh, scored yeah. a touchdown there. So How about Sark's red zone play calling? Once again, showing its ass. I mean, you get first and first and 10, but really first and goal. Mm-hmm. You're on the 12-yard line. There's 15 seconds left, and your first fucking play is a running back into the flat on the short side of the field. You know what, too, was kind of the ultimate kick in the nuts for Sark, too, was seeing A.D. Mitchell go up and make that play on the goal line fade, like the, the touchdown that he caught. Yeah. It's like you have that on your team. Yeah. And you're not using that a little bit more at the goal line. Yeah. You've got one-on-one with him every time you want it down here, and you're not doing that. You're you're not throwing that four times because you're going to succeed once. I would have, yeah. <laughs> like give just give Ad Mitchell four chances to make that play, mm-hmm. and you probably win the game. Yeah. Um, this was an interesting game for Michael Penix Jr. too. Obviously, he he looked awesome in this. That was pre Oregon Michael Penix Jr. Yeah. I think the ribs were a real thing. I was going to say, by interesting, do you mean like the best ever? Yeah, like, like <laughs> th- and the nation kind of got a, a, a taste of, wow, this guy has a fantastic deep ball. And like, you know who he reminds me of? Russell Wilson. Like, a lot of people have talked about Tua as the comp, and maybe it's the lefty lefty thing. But Russ is kind of the comp for me because he's going to be one of those guys who. I mean, maybe he works his way into the first round now, but I don't think he was trending towards being a first-round pick. Um, And he's just got a beautiful deep ball, great touch on his passes. He can throw a laser over the middle, too. Kind of needs help around him. Like The the circumstances are perfect for him. He's got the best offensive line in the country and three NFL wide receivers that he's playing with. But he's not the fastest guy, but he showed mobility. I was surprised. He looked a little more mobile than I've seen him before. I don't know. Did you think he looked a little slimmer, too? I didn't notice slimmer. Um, but he was moving more than we've seen him move all season long. He looked more comfortable to me. Yeah, and maybe it's the injury. I, I think, don't know. Yeah, the ribs were for sure And real. maybe that's it. Maybe he was wearing some sort of like protective rib guarding, too. I was going to say, did you not? I felt like this is so fucking dumb. I felt like his shoulder pads were higher than I'm used to seeing them. Like, ev- <laughs> he everything upper body felt more compact and i think it goes to what you're saying we'll never know but was he wearing something underneath that was like more protective of the ribs or the ribs had healed and he didn't want to get hit that way again he just looked like a much more comfortable guy yeah uh the deep ball's incredible i mean the way that it's just on a dime every time and like obviously it's helpful when you have receivers like roma dunze Mm -hmm. and jalen polk and jalen mcmillian and apparently, uh, Luke Westover, I guess, is like the greatest you ever. Know, you know, my favorite thing about Westover too is that every catch he makes, he's fallen on his ass. So he'll yeah. he'll never have a single yard after catch in his college career. But he's just sure-handed. He's made those plays all year long on like fourth and one, gotta have it. Third and eight, gotta have it. Like. He looks for Westover in a lot of those situations, and he is always falling on his ass making the play. I I like him a lot. Like he's just he's one not of those an NFL guy. No, not at all. But he's a, a he's one of those reliable. You know guys. what he might be? He might be a fullback in the NFL because I don't think he's got size to be 
a a tight end. Kyle Huschek? But yeah, he could be something like that, like a little more dependable fullback who can make some plays for you. Uh, it's funny you said Penix reminds you of Russell Wilson because the other quarterback in the game has always reminded me of Russell Wilson. I think Quinn Ewers fits that bill a lot too. And I go back, like, again, I always think about the touchdown throw to Xavier Worthy against Alabama, 44 yards. The thing touched the fucking sky when it went up and then dropped right into a bucket. Like, I thought both quarterbacks, Ewers caught a lot of slander, and he did not play well in the first half. And you keep bringing up passes batted down. he, He was working on the record for most batted down passes. But there were moments, right, like, there were a couple bad, uncharacteristic drops by Worthy. There were moments, though, where you could see Ewers has it. He just has to put it all together. I felt like watching, it looked like he didn't really care. It looked like he wasn't really into it. I thought some of the throws looked lazy, like flat-footed, just kind of flipping the ball, which I think led to some of the passes getting batted down. I don't know. That might not be fair, but that's been the rap on Quinn Ewers a little bit if you start reading you, about him. Do you think he's the quarterback at Texas next year? Because he's not going to the draft after this. You can't. And it seemed like uh, McDonough and, and Greg McElroy were kind of insinuating the entire time. He's made up his mind. They wouldn't reveal what the decision was, but if he's made up his mind, he's probably going back. Or at least going back to college. But is he the quarterback of Texas next year? Because we know who's waiting in the wings. We saw the pre-media press scrum where Quinn Ewers has nobody and he's the starting quarterback at the University of fucking Texas. And you've got Arch Manning who is talking for the first time all season and it's a mob scene. With the added caveat that freshmen can't talk in season. Mm -hmm. So it's the first time Arch has been available. I will say, seeing the photo of viewers looking back at Arch Manning's table. Mm-hmm. It did lead me into while I'm watching the game and seeing a guy who looks like he doesn't really care. I wonder how much that was in his head. And then Arch Manning warming up on the sideline. And like conversations you and I had, not that viewers listened. I'm just making the point mm-hmm. like media was doing this. Viewers is one hit away from Arch Manning being in the game and it's And he almost took that hit too. <laughs> it was a lot going on around Texas and around this game that had nothing to do with Quinn Ewers. And I think if I'm Quinn Ewers, I start to go, what the fuck, man? Like, I got us here. I was incredible in the Big 12 title game. And all anybody can talk about is if I get hurt, Arch Manning goes in. And he just, to me, looked like a guy who wasn't really into it. So I would say I'd be very surprised if he's the quarterback at Texas again because I'm not sure he wants to be there. Yeah. I, I'm with you. I, I don't think he's the quarterback of Texas next year. I don't know like, where he goes. Now, Ohio well, State got kind of messed up by Cam Ward Yeah, mm-hmm. going, going to, to the, the NFL. Mm-hmm. They don't have a quarterback to replace Kyle McCord right now. It's just Devin Brown on the roster. Quinn Ewers originally— Devin Brown, by the way, looked like dog shit. Well, he didn't get hurt, but he also looked like dog shit. Yeah. And I'm sorry, if you couldn't beat Kyle McCord in a quarterback competition, it tells me a lot about you because McCord <laughs> wasn't great. Um, I just— Ewers originally recruited to Ohio State, originally at Ohio State. I think we're seeing a lot of this start to happen where, like, Jeremy Bernard is a great example. Recruited by Washington, went to Washington, transferred to Michigan State, transferred back out to Washington. Mm -hmm. Syracuse just had a guy do that, too. This is happening a little bit more. I could see Ewers potentially with Cam Ward going to the NFL. Maybe there's a backroom deal in place already where Ewers leaves Texas and goes back to Ohio State. 
yeah, would be electric. We were honest. talking. We were talking with Adam Abdallah in the hall too about could he go to Bama as well? Could Bama have their pick of whoever well, doesn't want to go back to Texas? Abdallah had the Ewers. almighty pipe dream of Ewers going back to yeah. Texas and Arch Manning going to Bama. Mm-hmm. Not going to happen. Like I, if if one of these two quarterbacks leaves Texas, it's going to be Quinn Ewers. There is no doubt in my mind. Yeah, Arch Manning's got. What, you can't let that go. He's got three million in NIL. He's got three million in NIL, and he's going to have every eyeball on every single tech. He will be. This will be like Zion Williamson level stuff. Longhorn or- Network is going to give him a Maserati to stick around. Yeah. Like, and the other thing, and this is dumb, and I admit it. Maybe I'm a fucking idiot. The Manning family is not I- having him go to Alabama. I think you're right on this. Yes. As much as I would love to see the Arch Manning go out, write your story, like there's no way he's going to tug at the Ole Miss, Tennessee pipeline that his family has created. He is not going to Alabama. He is not going to Georgia or LSU. Like if you told me, oh, shocker, Lane Kiffin's got Arch Manning transferring to Ole Miss, I could believe it. If you told me that Here's the thing. Heupel's got him going to Tennessee, I, I would believe it. I think there's only one school he wouldn't go to, and I think it is Bama. Like, theoretically, if he transferred to Auburn, I don't think that rubs Peyton and Eli the wrong way. If he transferred to Georgia, I don't think it rubs him the wrong way. If he transfers to Bama, though, I think that's where the line's drawn. And Cooper and Archie, like, I think the whole family— it becomes an issue. And that's so I don't think he's going there. That was the Abdallah pipe dream of all time. Now, Quinn Ewers to Bama could be interesting. The problem is, like, I know everybody wants to shit on Milrow and ship this kid out as fast as we can. And, like, here's the deal fire Tommy Reese, hire somebody else because you are the one year reclamation project offensive coordinator city of college football. Like, it just is what they are now. Go for that. Milrow's a Heisman favorite. Yeah. You're, don't just bomb Milrow out of here. Give him another offseason. He was good. Like, yes, did the end against Michigan suck? Of course it did. Did he look terrible against Newsflash, the number one defense in the country? Yes, he looked terrible against them. With no weapons. So did Kyle McCord. So did Drew Aller. So did virtually everybody except actually and including Talia Tagovailoa. Every quarterback that played them, granted most of them stunk, looked terrible. So I would go look at Jalen Milrow post the benching in the USF game. When he came back against Mm -hmm. Ole Miss, I think was the first game, 27 total touchdowns, three picks, 3,000 yards. That's a great season for anyone. Mm-hmm. And then you go to the uh, the SEC championship and you beat Georgia. And I'm sorry you lost in the semifinal. It's happened before. Just bring him back. Yeah. Why is everybody kicking this kid out? And, and I feel like Bam, like the Tide fans, the way he played down the stretch, they get it. Like they, I, this maybe feels like more of an outside narrative than an inside narrative. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like in Tuscaloosa, I feel like they like Jalen Milrow. And I still just, I look back at this game and I might watch it again today the more we talk about it because I just want to see how much can I really blame Tommy Reese for what happened. Yeah. I just, every single deep route was the same straight vert fly. And I, 
You can't win. Will Johnson's playing 15 yards off the line of scrimmage. You're not winning fly routes. You're just not. Yeah. So I, I have a hard time putting a lot of the blame on Jalen Milrow. All right. Anything else you want to get to before we get out of here? Yeah. We'll, we'll preview the national championship on Saturday. We're on from 9 to 11 a.m. There's one last thing, and I know you're with me on it. And it, oh, yeah. it brings me no pleasure to attack kids, but they make money now, so I feel like I'm fairly comfortable in doing it. Every single player that opted out of the Florida State-Georgia game on the Florida State side and then has since gone on Twitter to allude to things like we would have beaten Michigan or we would have beaten Washington, cry me a fucking river. Shut the fuck up. Nobody cares. And this is not like you got hit 63 to 3. Shut your mouth. This is if you wanted to validate what could have been your season, Mm -hmm. you should have played in the fucking game. Yeah. Uh, I'm with you on that. Listen, if you hadn't tweeted anything, fine. Don't Don't care. care. But the fact that you're going out and, and crying, woe is me, because of the fact that you got boat raced 63 to 3, and then you saw. Uh, kind of like low-scoring, ugly game between Bama and Michigan. Yeah, I'm with you. If you wanted to go on Twitter and say it should have been us, then you should have played against Georgia and beaten them. But you didn't. You all 23 kids didn't play by hook or by crook. 23. Mm-hmm. Jordan Travis, say what you want. Not your fault your leg broke. But everybody else, shut the fuck up. Yeah. Yeah, Travis is the one that gets the pass. I don't want to hear from Jared Verse. I don't want to hear from Keon Coleman. I don't want to hear from Johnny Wilson. Mm -hmm. I don't want to hear from any of the defensive backs. I don't want to hear from anybody. I don't want to hear about how your defensive line would have eaten Bama's offensive line. You know what? You're right. But we're never going to know because you guys didn't play against Georgia. You could have shown us that -hmm. you would have eaten that offensive line. You could have made the committee look fucking stupid. Yeah. But instead, you don't play, you get 60-pieced, and then you get on social media showing your ass. There's no need for it. And you know what? If you had hung some sort of banner after beating Georgia... People would have been cool with it. Hands off, I'm cool with it. Pull the UCF. But you can't do that shit now. You want to pull the UCF after losing to Georgia when everybody opted out? Fuck off, kindly. Like, shut up. Yep. Take your ass out of the ACC, fork over the $130 million they're going to make you pay, go to the Big Ten, have fun. I don't get that either. The whole thing where Florida State wants to leave the ACC, I get the TV deal sucks. Newsflash, your playoff path is 100 times harder in either the SEC or the Big Ten. Yes. Just keep your ass happy in the ACC. Yeah, because it's an automatic way in. Like, it is literally, at worst, you're going 11-1. and And grabbing a, a 10 seed. You know what it is? They're scared of dad. I'll say Clemson's still dad. They're scared of dad. Like, if you want to tuck your tail and leave the ACC because you feel like you got wronged, well, guess what? It's going to get right next year when 12 mm-hmm. teams get in yeah. and you have an auto bid. Oh, what's the problem now? You're scared of dad. You think Clemson's on the way back and you can't compete. Listen, if that Clemson-Florida State game was played at the end of the year, 
I think we all know who's winning. And yeah. it ain't the Knowles. If that's the ACC championship, there would have been no conversation because Clemson would have beat that ass. Yep. All right. That's going to do it for us here on the Chicago's College Tailgate Recap Podcast. Thank you to Twin Peaks for bringing it to you every single week. We will be back with you on Saturday from 9 to 11 a.m. breaking down the national championship game, Washington and Michigan. All that coming up on Saturday. We'll talk to you then.